0: Hello, what's going on, Bond? Oh, hey, not much. Just <laughs> sitting in my kitchen during the day, daylight hours. I know. Welcome, Rom Daylight's Crime. It's
1: not always. Oh in. my gosh,
0: I know. Usually we're in we're we're recording in the dark. Yeah. Well, not in the dark, but late in, night in the eve. It is kind of strange to
1: be up early and then right to it. It makes me feel very productive and very grown up. Me too, guys. <laughs> welcome, welcome. All right, so uh, this is Rom Crime. Yes, ma'am. And you are.
0: I'm the Rom. I am Vanya. <laughs> oh, what? What? I don't even know my name. I'm Vanya and I am the Rom.
1: And I'm Averin and I am the Crime and this is Rom Crime. This is a true crime comedy podcast that has romantic hopes. Yeah. 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 Because we,
0: well, you know.
1: We all hope well, that our romantic endeavors don't. don't end like this one. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great! I love that. Yeah. So this episode, episode eighteen, we are right. covering the murder of Phil Hartman.
1: Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah,
0: the comedian, actor, mm-hmm, voiceover extraordinaire. Yeah, man,
1: extraordinaire, extra- extraordinaire, extraordinaire. Oh wow, I <laughs> extraordinaire, know. Extraordinaire. extraordinaire.
0: Yeah. So we've. So what have y'all been getting up to today, I know, I this know. week? I will say, myself, I got to go away on a little trip. Yeah, without my did. children and without my husband... And with like 14 girls, I went to 14? Whistler. Yeah. I didn't know there was that oh, many yeah. of you. It was how crazy. How much fun. It was so much fun. I mean, you know, I talk a lot about how I'm an anxious person. So I've got all sorts of fun little quirks about me. So I was nervous about flying. Mm-hmm. I was nervous about being, you know, in a in a hotel with an elevator. Right. And um, so there was skiing involved. And I... In the, Are you an experienced skier? I'm an experienced snowboarder. But what? I decided... Because I mean, I've been snowboarding, you know. I'm not like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not getting sponsored by anyone, but um, <laughs> I you know, I've been snowboarding since I was 12. Okay, and but the thing is, the last time I snowboarded, it was five years ago. My daughter <laughs> was one year old, and I at my husband and I went up, we were in White Pass, and it the conditions were not good. Okay. And they were we knew that we're pro- we were this was going to be our last run. So we get on the lift and they after us didn't let anyone else on and <gasps> shut the mountain down. Oh. Well, I mean, they kept the lift going oh, okay. up. I was so like, Can so you we see? had to get down. It was harrowing. I couldn't see anything so below. It was, like, dark. It was a storm, um, like oh, white. Okay. It was a whiteout. Like we literally, I mean, I was like, I could barely see my husband's board in front of me. But I was I like, tr- I mean, it was really scary. Yeah. And, I, and I, once we got to the top and, you know, knew we had to make our way down. And luckily we'd been down a couple times. So we knew sort of where to go it blindly. Right. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I i thought to myself on top of that mountain with my mom, like in the lodge with my baby. Right. Like what the fuck? What mm. if I don't make it home for this? So uh, after that I kind of
1: hadn't been back on a board. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I didn't actually get on any boards. Because I decided um that I was just gonna do fun like spy stuff. And then we also went inner tubing. Ooh. And I had to get in a gondola, which scared the shit out of me. But sure. I did it. And I have to say, um two ladies out there, I'm not sure if you're listening, but Allie and Anya, thank you for holding my hand <laughs> while we did that. And I realized it wasn't so scary. Um. So we had a really good time and I'm happy to be back. I came back refreshed and right. ha- I missed my kids so much, but not as much as I thought it was going to.
1: <laughs> well, you didn't get to go for that long. Yeah. You had, you know, what, but three it was four days? days. Oh, yeah. Four days. That's awesome. Yeah. I have not been skiing since I was probably 12. Mm-hmm. And my last memory of being on a mountain in skis. So, first of all, I always had a really hard time with the lifts.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's can be hard. I could never
1: ever gracefully get onto it or off of it. Like, I was that asshole at the top. That, like, stopped the lift. That, like, got off and then immediately, like, collapsed onto the ground where everyone else was supposed to get off. And then, you know, I was 12, so it was very embarrassing and mortifying. Oh, yeah. But I remember going down. I was skiing with my sister, and honestly, it was probably one step up from a bunny hill. Yeah. Like, I was not a good skier or experienced. But I had one of those things where I fell, and I fell out of my skis, you know, because they come off. So it right. had become so compacted with snow oh, no. that I could not get my boot yeah. back in. And I spent 40 minutes. My sister, I'm crying. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die up here. I can't get it on. Oh and then we God. just walked down in our ski Stop boots. Stop it. Because I could never get my ski back on. There was nobody who could help you? I mean, nobody oh. stopped for us two 12-year-old girls yeah. on the side of a mountain crying hysterically.
0: You know, it's tough. It, it Unless you sort of get into skiing or snowboarding when you're younger it's hard it's really it's hard and it's cold it's like you're simultaneously hot and cold cold, which is some
1: bullshit it's weird because the sun is so hot and then also you're wearing that crazy ski stuff so you're warm but then you're also flying down a mountain with your bare face
0: i know wind i know and i've been like um so when i was younger i always followed the guys because i don't know i just did because that's who was snowboarding. Right. And I would g- push myself too fast. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple, con- I've had like two concussions from snowboarding mm-hmm. because I snowboarded before, like they really made you wear helmets, right. you know? So like in the 90s is when I was snowboarding, I right. guess in the late 90s. So I didn't know you had to wear a helmet. You do. You Everyone wears a helmet now for skiing and snowboarding pretty much on the mountain. Um, but the reason I was thinking about uh The concussions is because I've been watching that um series on Netflix called Cheer
1: Oh, everyone's talking about it. I haven't seen it yet, but i know. I, I know I need to you
0: got to see it we we'll talk a little more about about next episode, but um. I was also a cheerleader, so I've had a few concussions. So, I mean, I think I've had five concussions in my life. Wow. I know. Am I going to be a serial murder killer? I mean, you've made it this far. I guess so. I have a lot of empathy. You do. But it could be just one head trauma away from murdering everyone. (laughs) Well,
1: don't... um don't fall down anymore, Vanya. Okay, I'm going to... No more concussions guess for Guess what? You. I'm just
0: going to wear a helmet every day. Just wear a helmet.
1: Everyone's like, I love your hat. I'm like, it's a helmet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway.
1: Vanya's ushering in a new fashion trend. It's called safety first. Um, amazing. I yeah. love it, the idea of you just going through life in a helmet. A cute one. Of course. Yeah. I would expect nothing I'll less. I'll figure it out. I'm going to make it happen. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a good trip. you. That sounds you. so nice. I so, would
0: love to go on a trip. Y- we should, honestly. Let's go on a trip. Girls trip. Yeah. Um. But, okay, so this episode, we're going to try something a little different, right? Yeah. Um. We're going to start with the crime. Yes, and then right? we're going
1: to kind of work our way backwards from there. Yeah,
0: so, so uh, you we, know. You want to get started? Totally, and so listeners who've been listening, give us uh, your feedback. What do you think? Anyways, we're going we're gonna to see how it we'll goes. Go. We're
1: going to see how it goes. So today we are doing the... Death of the Deaths of Phil and Bryn Hartman. So our story begins on May 27th, 1998. Phil Hartman arrives at his home in Encino, California around 6 p.m. to relieve the couple's nanny because his wife Bryn has plans to go out with a girlfriend that evening. Bryn and her good friend Christine Zander, who happens to be a writer-producer of the TV show Third Rock from the Sun, go to a local neighborhood restaurant called Buca de Beppo. They have a couple of Cosmos and dinner. And uh, Christine Zander does state that Brynn seemed to be in a really good mood. Nothing seemed to be wrong or bothering her that evening. After the two finished dinner and drinks, Christine wants to call it a night, but Brynn is not ready to go back home to the kids and the hubby. She wants to keep the party going. So she decides to drive over to her good friend Ron Douglas's house, And Ron was actually a former lover of hers, but they were just friends. And he kind of described her as being noticeably intoxicated and she seemed like she just wanted some attention. Mm. She was there to basically bask in her good friend's affectionate attention. Not like sexual attention, but affectionate attention. So the two of them continue to drink for a few hours before Brynn ends up heading home around one o'clock in the morning. Upon her return to Bryn and Phil's Encino home, the couple have an argument about an incident that had taken place the previous week where Bryn had struck one of their children while she was intoxicated. Allegedly, Phil told Bryn that he was going to leave her if she did not get her drinking and use of drugs under control. After the argument, Phil left Bryn and went upstairs to go to bed, something he often did after the couple fought. Around 3 a.m., Bryn walked into the couple's bedroom, crawled into bed next to her husband, and shot him three times. At 4 a.m., Ron Douglas is awoken to the sounds of a hysterical and drunk Bryn banging on his front door. When he lets her in, Bryn tells Ron that she'd killed Phil, but he doesn't believe her because she's drunk and she's not really making a lot of sense. He doesn't believe her until after frantically digging her purse and then dumping it upside down on the floor of his apartment, a gun falls out. So at around 4.45 a.m., Ron and Brynn head back to her house. They take separate cars. Ron has taken the gun that fell on the floor and put it in the trunk of his car. And when they arrive back at the home, Brynn takes Ron into the master bedroom where her husband Phil is dead. Ron exits the bedroom into the hallway to call 911, and when he leaves the room, Brynn immediately shuts and locks the door behind him. After explaining to 911 that Phil Hartman had been shot and killed by his wife, police arrive and they begin to remove Ron and the couple's children from the home. As police are carrying six-year-old Bergen out of the house, another shot goes off from the master bedroom. After police are finally able to break into the couple's bedroom, they find the bodies of both Phil and Bryn Hartman, who had just taken her own life with yet another gun the couple had in their bedroom. The world was shocked. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Yep. And it really is shocking.
0: Yeah, it is. I
1: remember it.
0: Yeah, I do too. I remember
1: being very confused because, I don't know, there are certain celebrities that I feel like you expect to pop up in tabloid stories not necessarily of this this degree yeah but you know you expect certain people to be like there was a big blowout fight right you know but this is yeah this wasn't Sid and Nancy this was a really like seemingly normal happy suburban couple and for it to end in murder suicide yeah to orphan their two children i don't know know. it was just unbelievably hard for anybody to comprehend
0: i know i you know at the end of that i when when she goes to her back to her friend's house after she's murdered the you know phil Mm -hmm. she left her children with a dead person in a house i mean it makes it fills me with anger i mean there's a lot of we'll get to the reasonings why we think that or she yarr. got there, but like. It's crazy though, because it you just. Think about I the sobbed fact. when I was reading that part because mm-hmm. I was like, that is. You must be so out of your mind mm-hmm. to to mess your kids up like that.
1: Right, because why would you assume that children would sleep through three gunshots? Yeah. And then you're going to leave them alone in the house?
0: Yeah, he, there was a nine year old and a six year old, right? Like, Yeah. And oh my God. So that just makes me sick it makes me so sad but obviously something had to be so wrong and and building up for some time yeah
1: and then a a combination of prescription drugs and non-prescription drugs and alcohol and um a 10-year marriage that had led to a kind of anger and frustration and so, I guess let's go back to the beginnings, the beginnings and see how we got to that so fateful let's, evening.
0: Yeah, I love that. Let's start with Bryn. Okay. Bryn uh, Hartman was born, let me tell you her name. She was born Vicky Jo something. Own doll. Own doll. I love my notes. I'm like, I ha- oh, yeah, there. <laughs> I had all these notes, and I'm like, I can't read anymore. I'm nervous. No, I'm kidding. Um, so Vicky Joe Undall changes her name to Brynn. She's a uh, she comes to Hollywood looking to be an actress, but she was also a swimsuit model, right? Very beautiful, really tall. Yeah. She
1: kind of she looked very um, Nordic, you yeah. know, like tall right. blonde, great like structured cheekbones, yeah. Yeah. you know. She Absolutely. looked like a babe from the eighties.
0: Yeah, she did. Um, she always had a bit of a cocaine habit. So oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, that started even when, back like, then,
0: before mm-hmm. she knew, Phil. right? She
1: had had a problem. Yeah,
0: with um cocaine and couldn't really.
1: Well, you cons- know, eighties people didn't yeah. really know cocaine was bad for you then.
0: Right. We if we if you guys listen to our uh, Grisella Blanco episode, we talk yeah. about how to make how we make cocaine. And, and we know it is. what it's made. It's gasoline and cement. That's right, guys. Not good for you and super addictive. And it's not just give you a stuffy nose the day after. No, no, it might make you murderous, ragey. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Kidding, but. Maybe not. Drugs are bad. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, she dated Rob Reiner for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently th- this made her stock higher for Phil Hartman. Yes, well, so
1: when Phil was set up with her and kind of found out that she had dated some of these bigger Hollywood players, that gave her some cred, like some street cred, I guess, if that's the right yeah. phrase, because she hadn't really found any success as an actress. She was a swimsuit model. She was working, but she hadn't landed as an actress yet, which was her ultimate goal. Right. And so she wasn't somebody that he would know as a performer, but she was this beautiful, beautiful blonde woman Mm -hmm. that had dated a couple of really famous, powerful men. So that kind of elevated her status in Phil's eyes.
0: And it sounds like Phil wanted that arm candy. Right. Because Brynn will was not his first wife. Exactly. I was going to say let's start with his beginnings because that Do you have anything to add with Bryn? No. Um the only
1: thing that I I feel like I kind of continually noticed people say about her is that she didn't really seem to know who she was. Right. She changed her name several times actually. I guess she was Vicky, then she was Vicky Joe, then she was Brindle, then she was Bryn. And wow. so she didn't really seem to have a a, a strong sense of self and identity and um she had again also you know messing around with like drugs and
0: yeah
1: i think a lot of insecurity there right so we're dealing with somebody who i think has a fragile ego and also yeah. sense
0: of self and and trying to be and really high
1: hopes in a really exactly. cutthroat hard yeah. for industry yeah
0: i think a lot of people think okay if i just can get famous or if i you know probably if she would have lived now it would have been the instagram likes that kind of thing right if an i influencer. can then i'll feel good then right once, then i'll
1: i'll feel like a whole person yeah
0: so yeah she's she was searching and driving towards uh being a successful actress and well did not pan out so okay so phil um phil's beginnings here Let's see. Phil was actually born in the same town as Wayne Gretzky. I know. Um, which is very exciting. Um, he's one of eight kids. He's the fourth child, so a middle child. And they talk about how he, you know, was always, like, seeking attention, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make people laugh.
1: Classic middle child. I
0: know. It's so funny. <laughs> We're
1: older children. It's true. We're I'm old. the
0: oldest child, but I also needed attention. Yeah. So I'm like, look at me. I'm funny. <laughs> I also got taken aside um, from my parents you know when we were at like a house full of lots of people my dad would be like what are you trying to be a comedian and uh-huh. I was like yeah dad I'm trying to be a comedian because I was always trying to make people laugh and
1: my dad would always say Abby I think you're meant to be a comedian when I was like I'm very dramatic I'm an actor <laughs> and my dad was like but well, you're so funny and I was like no I'm not I'm very oh dramatic oh my gosh oh my gosh
0: <laughs> I love it
1: but attention seeking nonetheless yeah, as actors I, that's very exactly.
0: real I loved it um in in the '60s, he moved with his family actually to LA, mm-hmm. um, and he was like totally immersed in surfer culture. Yeah, I loved all of
1: like California in that time period yeah. too, like smoke and dope and
0: surfing. Yeah, and just like free loving and totally, he loved the ladies,
1: the and he loved to make people laugh. Yeah, and had, people loved him.
0: But he also, when he was you know younger and. Um, he didn't quite know what he was either. He didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't somebody who came from Canada going. I want to be an actor. I'm moving. Right.
1: In fact, he didn't really start hit that no. move, that direction that he went in came later in his life. He was just kind of trying to yeah. live, man. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> so. His
0: older brother started. He John managed bands, one specifically called the Rocking Foo, um, and so he followed them around. He and was helped. a roadie. Yeah, he was a roadie, and then he uh oh he meets Gretchen Lewis mm-hmm. his first wife and they marry and immediately he pulls away emotionally right um and they so they marry in 1970 and divorce in 1972
1: right so a short first marriage yeah
0: and um
1: and another thing that they yeah. said about him is that when he would fall for a girl it would also happen incredibly fast and right. be really really intense so we're going to get into his patterns of falling fast and yeah. hard and being in this intense beautiful love getting married, and then immediately withdrawing emotionally and physically yeah. from, from his partners.
0: Exactly. And then also to mention, um, so his parents, he was, it was a Catholic family. Eight and kids. Eight kids. <laughs> and his parents were cold. You know, he didn't get a lot of attention from them.
1: They were busy. They had eight kids. Well, I guess so. But <laughs> Just you kidding. Know. No excuses. No. Don't be cold to yeah. your children.
0: Yeah, I think he didn't get what he wanted out of his family enough love or attention and so he sought it out in others right. but then I think in some ways maybe didn't know how to give it properly either right. you know it's,
1: that was something that I found really interesting um, there's a great documentary on Hulu if if this is a story that fascinates you or Phil Hartman was a person that you enjoyed watching that I think gives a lot of great insight um, and it was done by ABC News and it is it, it just goes into a lot of who he was kind of privately because as actors and celebrities and people that you watch on TV, you think you know them. Right. And then you, you don't. And they yeah. say one of the things about Phil is that a lot of, especially comedians or people who do like sketch and, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, that you might be seeing an exaggerated version of them. Right. But that Phil was the opposite.
0: Right. Everything you
1: saw, nobody knew who he really was. And that in private, he was actually incredibly withdrawn and kind of reclusive. And so it wasn't so much, I think that he was, well, cold might be the right word, but that is what his ex-wives kind of described was that it would be this intense, like light shining on them, love from him. Then they would get married. A little bit of time would go by. And then he would kind of just disappear into his own world. And when they would try to talk to him about it, he'd be like, "This is just how it's going to be. So get get used to it."
0: Yeah, I know. There's like, okay, so he he joins after he marries G- Gretchen and divorce, whatever. He joins his brother, who is now running a whole management company, and he starts designing album covers. I know. So he's like really talented he's artistically. Artistic, yeah. Um, Anyways, but he always had this belief that he could be something more. just right. was, was searching, really didn't know. he was really funny.
1: He knew that he could hold the attention yeah. of a room really well. He was, you know, very popular. People liked him. Yeah. But most of his work in the earlier days was kind of solo. Right. Like drawing, doing graphic design, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and he goes to an improv show at the Groundlings Comedy Sketch Group. And he had an epiphany, like he's watching and he's like, he knew he had to do this. Um, And there was a moment where they were asking for like a volunteer on stage and he jumps on stage and does a crazy amount of amazing impersonations and they ask him to join their troupe. Yeah. Let me just, let's just unpack this for a second. Yeah, that does not happen. No, (laughs) as as somebody who, you know, I grew up watching SNL and dreaming. I mean, that was like the ultimate like, God, if I prayed every night, I prayed, dear God, let me be on SNL. To this day, that every, was my dream. every
1: Saturday, well, I don't actually get to watch it on Saturday. I'm usually working. But every time I watch Saturday Night Live, when yeah. it's over, I am both, you know, oh, like usually pretty giggly because that's been fun. But yeah. I also am just struck by, I watch them on stage thanking and then hugging everybody. I and know. I'm like, that's the best job that ever existed I mean, in the
0: world. I'm sure, you know then as i got older and never got the opportunity to audition for snl um but lauren michaels yeah how dare were you, you? Thinking? well i wasn't trying as hard as i should have <laughs> but you know um but now that i have kids like they just work so hard and but yeah. it's that idea of like you know creative incubator and then like performing for people whatever it may be mm-hmm. and i just love that so much anyways so i i when i was in new york i went through the ucb series and right. did all that which is
1: basically new york's la's Groundlings, Groundlings, it's the same kind of yeah. idea.
0: Although there is a uh, upright citizens' brigade here in LA, um, so what I'm saying is nobody's going to pull you up on stage unless you are
1: right. Well, you're not going to jump up as an audience volunteer and then be asked to join the yeah. troop of like right. a, the most prestigious improv group in Los Angeles (laughs) at the time unless you're Phil Hartman exactly and if any of you ever watched Phil Hartman on SNL Mm -hmm. or on Pee Wee Herman or on any of the things that he did he of course they did
0: yeah exactly like I thought that was so interesting he was Phil uh, he was Captain Carl on Pee Wee's Playhouse uh, yeah I kind of don't. I remember that a little. They bit. They met
1: in Groundlings.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. So I don't think crazy. I recognize that. That's who that know. was. So that was his first like sort of gig before TV gig, yeah, yeah TV gig before they you know found him for SNL. Um, so what was oh and then he marries Lisa Strain in 1982, who is somebody who was part of the Groundlings as well. Mm-hmm, that's how they met. That's how they met, and they were married. And again, he immediately changes and becomes like sort of recluse, cold. Withdrawn um, and the fr- they're, this is crazy, so first of all that is so sad. Like if you're getting married to somebody, I think most people are my own idea is that like I'm gonna marry somebody who's gonna be my partners right. who, we're I, who I love. Yes, we love each other. Yes, we want to bone. Right. But, but we're also, also going to be happy spending our lives together. Yeah, and laugh at each other and talk right. to each other and share. Yeah. Participate. Uh, be friends yeah. too. That's how I w- always want to keep my relationship, relationship with my husband, you know, keeping it friendly and, or not friendly, keeping it open. Op- been to learning more about each other and, but just being present with each other, yeah, you know, and
1: evolving together. And... Like I would
0: have freaked the fuck out if somebody did this to me, you know. Yeah. I would, I would have been like, "We're going to go there, yeah. me." But here's what happens on their first anniversary: they go to Santa Barbara f- to celebrate their one year anniversary. One year anniversary. And Lisa Strain gets this like cute lingerie and all sexified. and She gets up on the bed, and Phil Hartman says, "Must you really?" And then she goes, Well, I guess not, no, and gets off and they both read. But if I, if, if, and she says this is when she knew it was over. over. Because if someone rejected me like that, I'd be go, I'd be like, Especially
1: that early on. Oh my God. Like one year anniversary, you've gone away on a romantic getaway, you're being sexy romantic. And the man who you're doing all this for looks at you and says, Must you? Really? I would. I would have slapped him and walked out the room. Oh, I she would. Stays have. with him for two more years. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it. I, that's. But she said in that moment she knew it was over. Yeah. She said she knew where well, she knew it was never going to work. That just bums which is me so out. Sad.
0: But it also is a little bit of a telltale of how yeah. he, you know, is with people because then he by, then he meets Vicky Joe, but actually yeah, Bryn, Bryn Bryn. He meets Bryn and um, who's ten years younger than Phil, mm-hmm. which not a big deal, you know, but. Um, and beautiful, yeah. And he wanted he wanted someone on his arm to look good. Like he he seemed like a quiet person, but he also seemed like somebody who needed status and needed. I think that he was very aware of
1: kind of where he was in the hierarchy of Hollywood, and right. at the time that he and Brynn ended up getting together was kind of as he was starting to move up. Right. It's when he's going to get SNL Mm -hmm. and all of that, where he's going to become a more well-known, household-recognizable face and name. And I think he wanted uh, the appropriate woman by his side for that ride. Not that he necessarily knew exactly when or how it was going to happen, but he knew he wanted the beautiful wife.
0: Yeah, he wasn't looking for a partner, though. It doesn't seem like. He wasn't looking for um, um, a mate. Uh, He was looking for a side candy
1: and also as we mentioned before brin had huge high aspirations of becoming an actress
0: yes. and so let's
1: say that it went both ways and she probably thought here's a man who can also
0: open the door i think for me. that he said he would i, I, think, I think he, he, he told did. her sure he's, he's like, like i can help he you could. get acting roles yeah. you know in 1986 phil joins snl and um Yeah. And he's part of the the cast that
1: turns it all around.
0: Right. In the 80s, it was like everybody hated SNL and he... That
1: that season, that 1986 uh, season with that cast was when the resurgence, it went back to SNL became a show people watched again instead of just were like, why is this even on TV anymore?
0: It's funny. I remember watching and thinking like Adam Sandler and Dana Carvey and all these things. And I was like obsessed. And Phil Hartman was funny, but he was... They say... Straight uh, man. Yeah, the straight man. He was the glue, they called him. Mm-hmm. Um, who what? Why can I never remember his name? The bigger guy who died... Chris of, Farley. Thank you. Chris Farley, who died of a cocaine overdose, was one of his like main pals in that too. But Chris Farley called him the glue. Right. And as a viewer, I remember thinking, you know, he's great, but I was always obsessed with Chris Farley. And those, you know...
1: Right. Well, there's, you know, I think the perfect example of that is... Um, do you remember the Chris Farley... Guy that would like come in and talk to the teenage kids about oh, oh, you're, yeah. how you're going to end up by the river. Oh, yeah. You know, On you a, do drugs. in a van down yeah. by the river. And so Phil Hartman is the, always the dad. Right. Of the kids. And it, that I think is the perfect example of like to do what he does in that sketch, which is very little, oh. but keeps it kind of grounded in some sort of
0: a reality That's situation. True. Yeah.
1: While Chris Farley is like falling and breaking oh, tables and making every other actor break
0: yeah, if you haven't um, watched this, because you know, I think that was a long time ago. Do yourself a favor and yeah. watch Chris Farley's uh, uh, watch. Sketches. The, watch
1: 1986 SNL yeah. cast
0: or the best of Phil Hartman or the
1: best of Phil Hartman because I also I loved his unfrozen caveman lawyer yes. character so much. Something about like just the absurdity of that yeah. concept yeah. is my kind of humor. For and sure. also,
0: I was watching his uh, audition tape for Lorne Michaels, and he's you know. They said that he was, like, kind of a classic. He loved all the classic movies and things like that and whatever. he was great at
1: impressions. He was great
0: at impressions. And one thing he said, he was like, "Uh, okay, you know, listen, I do. I can do any accent. Go ahead. Anybody in the audience, tell me your accent, Uh, you know. Right, and then I would say, "Um, Russian. I don't do that one. So, I mean, like, he was really just a funny, classic, comedic actor. I would have prayed to be in his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. so where are we now? So
1: we're at the beginning of SNL. So he And, and they're Bryn married. Are married right? Yeah.
0: They're married.
1: After about a year of dating, they I guess they do actually break up once. Oh, do before they? Before they get married. Which is kind of when the whole like we get together, we're in love, he pulls away, they break up. Right. And then it becomes kind of like a pattern in their marriage of like fight, make up,
0: stay yeah. together.
1: Instead of breaking up. So I guess that is the one difference here.
0: Right. And because he's still seeking her after they... I mean, I think she's... And, you know, she's doing drugs and... Right. She
1: has a cocaine problem. So she does go to rehab. Right. I think either right before they get married or shortly thereafter. Um, And she does get clean. Yeah. And they um, move to New York City. That's right. For SNL. For SNL. And she... I think they have... The two kids already, or just one?
0: They have the one, one. yeah, I
1: think. So they have their first, their son is um, born while... um, Actually, it is the
0: second one, too, because remember they announced Right. Well, I mean, he's
1: on SNL for eight years. Yeah. So they are in New York City, at least during filming, for eight years. So they have both of their children in the course of that time. Bryn is um, taking acting classes and raising their two kids, and Phil is meteorically rising up in the comedy mm-hmm. world on saturday night live and i think i think it's important to keep coming back to how badly bryn wanted to be an actress so right. do you know how in snl at the beginning they're like saying everyone's name you oh, know, like yeah phil <laughs> hartman <laughs> while the music is playing <laughs> so if you go back and you watch those seasons phil is sitting at a booth in a restaurant And there is a blonde woman who is clearly sitting across from him, kind of. Mm -hmm. And she's got an earring that you can see shaking. And the story goes that when they were filming it, it's Brynn. Brynn is the blonde woman. And she kept trying to turn her face so that her face would be on camera. And they kept saying, no, no, we need you to look at Phil. Just look at Phil. But that's actually why her earring is moving, because she kept trying to turn her head, and they kept making her turn it back. Wow. And so I think, but I feel like that, to me, is so... I get that emotion of, but I, this is what I want to do too. And so you're going to put me.
0: Feeling jealous. Right here in
1: the same frame as you. Yeah. But you are going to berate me. Not him. He didn't berate her. But you guys are going to berate me for trying to actually capitalize on this moment and get my face in there. Even though, of course, that's not the point, nor should her face have been in there. But I can kind of see how the resentment, the frustration, the jealousy just has taken hold and it's going to continue to. What was her credits because her acting credits? So she had um very small roles in uh, a film starring Elijah Wood called North and a very small role, but was they were both speaking roles, uh, but a very small role in an episode or two of Third Rock from the Sun mm-hmm. um and then a bunch of swimsuit modeling and right. stuff like that.
0: And well I feel bad because when I saw her or saw a clip of her, she did not she's not very interesting as an actor unfortunately. right. and she's... I think
1: unfortunately that becomes an issue she does not ever lose her desire to be an actress her desire for her husband to help her become an actress and phil quickly realizes that he does not think that she has what it takes to be an actress so he's not all that confident in her ability right and so even though he still does you know try to help her or says he's going to try to help her he doesn't really think she's got the chops so he doesn't
0: i mean that's sad do you think she was doing This is what kills me. She had like they had nannies. She could take acting classes. She was apparently she was always in acting um, classes. Yeah, maybe she is that is that sad that maybe some people just aren't very interesting. Well, I don't know that she wasn't interesting as a human being. I I think that. No, but I mean or maybe I she just, didn't find maybe she was going for the roles that were like the p- pretty blonde and right, maybe she, she should a, have been a different type. Right,
1: she had a she had a very specific look. She was yeah. really pretty, so that obviously puts you in one box as a performer. That's true. And then let's just be honest, not everybody is a a good actor. I know. Just because they want to be. And so when you say not interesting, it's just really that she's flat because she's just not that good at it. Not because she as a person is flat or uninteresting. I imagine she must have been pretty damn charming. Right. You know, she was was in this world with these big time people who don't just let anybody in their world. So I have no doubt that she was like a charming, funny, delightful person. It just didn't translate. It's kind of
0: too bad that she, they didn't like, you know, push it like 30 years more because... You, she could have made her own films with all of the digital right. change and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. She could have put some money together and had a movie made, written some. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. But instead, she put all of her eggs in the, in the Phil Hartman basket that didn't he pan him, out.
1: Yeah, that he was going to make it happen. And he didn't actually have the ability to do that. I know. That's
0: just, like, crazy. In
1: fact, after he left SNL, the closest he ever came to actually getting her, like, a right. legit acting gig... After he left SNL in 1994, he was contracted with NBC. He was going to do a variety show called yeah. The Phil Show, which right. was going to be kind of similar to SNL, like sketch comedy, yeah. but, you know, more his style. And they, instead of they wanted to bring in, you know, some regular cast members yeah. and the people at NBC and the two young writers that he brought on board with him really wanted to bring Jan Hook
0: That's right. from SNL She's so great. to
1: kind of always play like the female opposite him. Yeah. And he said, no, I want my wife to do it. And they said, "Oh, okay, because nobody really knew anything ab- about that, yeah." And they asked, "Well is she funny?" And he said, "She's funny in her own way <laughs> but he was you could they said that you could tell when he was recommending it that he it was his heart wasn't in it, yeah, but he knew that he needed to do this to make his marriage good, right. But ultimately, that deal with NBC fell through, and that variety show was never made. Yeah, and then he ended up getting um, a leading role on an NBC sitcom called Talk Radio, which was yeah, a news great radio. or sorry, News Radio. Yeah, it's so which fuzzy. was a great, great yeah. show. I loved that show. I
0: know. And um, so she ha- they had their babies at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're but now they're living in uh LA, right? Right. They're they shooting. buy a house in Encino. Yeah. It's a
1: beautiful house, big old mansion. Phil is making so much money between like doing
0: commercials, big
1: time commercials. in fact, they said there was one he did for either McDonald's or where he was Bill Clinton, I think at McDonald's or maybe that was a sketch, not a commercial, but he was getting paid like a million dollars for a commercial. Right. So they're doing great. The Hollywood dream is alive and well. He starts. So now that they've settled back in Los Angeles and he's got his, his sitcom. Right. Um, he and he's making the big bucks. That's when he starts kind of buying the toys. So he gets a plane. There you he go. He buys a yacht. Yeah. He buys a Bentley. Mm-hmm. So he's
0: making great money. I'm like a Bentley. Jesus Mary and Joseph. Um, and also oh, so he'd, he even when he was younger, he went out to Catalina Island. That's a, that's one of his things. That. He yeah. loved to sail. He loved to nature.
1: He loved hiking. Yeah. He always wanted to be out, outside. On the water. Yeah. You know, even from way back when they moved to California and he got into surfing and all yes. that. He wanted to be outside and with nature. He called it his religion that's in that right. documentary. I can get into that. Um yeah. he, he, and Emerald Cove, I think specifically is that where, was it was? where
0: his um his I want to go. I know. It did Let's look go. absolutely. Especially because after we covered the Natalie Wood. I know. Um, I mean
1: that maybe that'll be our girl's trip. Ooh, that's a great Let's idea, just do Catalina.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. Okay, so um, but also one of his friends said that that phil always had to be in control like he was always he was the captain of the boat you know mm-hmm. he also had a plane like he flew a plane yeah and then he, all of these trips he went on did not include Bryn or the children or the children so he
1: like definitely, definitely like you know as we mentioned before his his kind of modus operandi would be you know crazy intense infatuation leading up to in the beginnings of a relationship and then pulling away. So, he didn't actually pull away in a, like in the same way that he did with his first two wives. True. They have two children. They are still together and he loves being a dad. And he loves his kids. There's so many great home videos where you can see both of those parents love yeah. those kids something fierce yeah. and they they just dote on them and they're adorable with them and that was a genuine joy and that's something that they shared and I'm right. sure bonded them in a very different way than anything he had with you know any of his previous wives. But he did like to go off on his own he liked to mm-hmm. decompress he needed his alone time right. and i think when you are a celebrity because here's the deal he was an actor but he was also a, a recognizable actor and sure. especially with his he had a very recognizable voice
0: yeah thanks. and
1: so you know when he would get to come out of that he wanted to just do his own thing right So she started to feel really neglected and I think worried even that maybe he was going to leave her because he didn't seem to want to hang out with her ever.
0: And resentful, which I would be because I've definitely been in the position where I feel like I'm the only one doing anything. And mind you, she had nannies and had a lot of help, but you want your support from your partner. You want your partner to be
1: your partner, not just rather go like wax his airplane than like exactly.
0: spend the afternoon with you and your and Or your like kids. be like, let's get the, the Manny to watch the kids and we'll both go wax the airplane right. or something. Or let's both
1: go out on the boat. But yeah, he definitely kind of a neighbor in the documentary that we were that we keep referring to described it as he saw them often. But never together. Right. So he would see her coming and going, doing stuff. He would see him coming and going all the time doing stuff. But they very rarely ever seem to be doing anything together. Yeah. So it sounds kind of like there's a... not a, Just like a kind of an estrangement there. Right. They, they weren't friends. Yeah. You know, in that sense just that you fought. were talking about. They just fought. That was how she got attention. She'd pick fights with yeah. them. So... You know, things are not great, but no. nobody really knows this because they're both great in public. Right. They put on a good face. One of the things that I noticed is on all these red carpet things, he would always introduce her and like even spell right. her name I for know. the reporters. Like, he, I don't think that he wasn't trying to help her. I didn't yeah. get that sense. No. I think maybe he recognized that there was a limit to what she was going to be able to accomplish yeah. as an actress. Yeah. But he it was not like he was just like, she trailed behind him and he never acknowledged her existence right. yeah. in
0: those public moments. And I think, I mean, I could be reading into this, but it seems like he was afraid of her a little. So he was he doing these things. That,
1: yeah. That she, because she could get volatile. In fact, I feel like we skipped something kind of, kind of important, I think, that just goes to... Tell me. Something deep within her. So after the couple's first child was born, Lisa Strain, the second wife of Phil Hartman, right. sent them a congratulatory card. Saying, you know, I'm so happy for the two of you if you ever need a babysitter. She and Phil were still very friendly. It was a friendly, amicable divorce. In fact, he was friendly with both of his ex-wives. Right. And she receives back a four page letter from Bryn that's just spewed like vitriol, like stay away from me and my family, or I will hurt you. You'll regret it. That is don't you ever reach out to me again. And Lisa Strange says in the documentary, she called Phil and she was like, oh my God, do you know who you're married to? Like, listen yeah. to this. And Phil's response is, you should have seen the letter she
0: wanted to send you. That's, I mean, if I was him, I would be like, maybe we should end this.
1: Right, but I mean, that's right after the birth of their first I child. I guess so. And I can see how in that moment, a red flag like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of if I know anybody Reiji. like that. You know, like, that's just kind that's of almost Reiji. manic. You yeah. know, it's like,
1: It is kind of me. But maybe she's still doing the coke
0: and and like just getting on insane.
1: Or she just had a baby and she's dealing with, you know, all of that stuff. But I just think the fact that she had it in her, the the viciousness, the thoughts, one, Then she had the gumption to send that letter and not just send it, but show it to Phil. He knew what it said and he let her send the letter. I mean,
0: that's another story. So that also says something about their dynamic. Yeah, it's true. She would have been a real bitchy yelper. Like I bet if she was stayed alive, she would just like yelp the shit out of people. (laughs) Just meet, just all one star reviews. Just like, really. That's how I kind of feel like sometimes when people... Because whenever I look on a on Yelp and I'm looking at a place, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this person put one star. And then I look at the person and if they have all one stars, I'm yeah. like, you're fucking crazy. You
1: only ever write
0: bad things. I digress. Yeah. Um, but I'm also the opposite, which is like,
1: everything's a five star. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you've worked in the industry and you understand that's that. That's true. What, well, on know, the point harder. of Yelp,
0: I'm just like trying to help the people right. or get a discount because yeah. that's the other thing. Okay. Sorry. We digress. But it is sad. She's She's mixed up in a lot of ways, it seems. She's insecure.
1: She's insecure and she's jealous of the limelight that her husband has shining on him all the time that she just wants to be in it with him.
0: I think she she wants wants it herself too, She wants it maybe
1: just to shine on her sometimes and she cannot make that happen. Yeah. So their marriage is constantly fighting, making up, fighting, making up. Phil is not a confrontational person. He hates the fighting, but it's the only way that she feels she can get his attention So his like move, as I mentioned, when we described what happened on their final night alive is to get out of a fight. He just would like walk away and go to bed. Now that's
0: would piss me off. I
1: totally understand how that would piss anybody off. Um, So it's just this it's just not a healthy relationship. So now we're getting kind of closer to to the end. Yeah. Um, Brie, or Bryn, I just called her Brie. See, okay. I'm not even saying her name right. <laughs> that sucks. So Bryn um, does eventually relapse. Right. So she had managed to stay sober for, like, almost 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, like, all through, like, the birth of her children and all that, she, like, kept yeah. it all together. But she started drinking and doing drugs again. Oh. Is in and out of rehab a couple of times. It's not so bad that it's, you know, everybody in the world would know she has a problem. It's just, like, at home, Phil is aware of... That this is happening again. And it's like, I will not be married to somebody who has a cocaine issue, especially with our young children in the house. You have to get help or or you got to get out. So she goes to rehab. Right. In and out of that. Around the same time as all of this is going on, she is prescribed Zoloft by her kid's pediatrician. Like she goes, takes her kid to the doctor and is telling the doctor about her like depression, anxiety. And he writes her a prescription for Zoloft. So she starts popping Zoloft.
0: And, um, but she's clean at that point when they first, when she first starts, I think she had relapsed once or oh, twice. Okay. Well, cause did you, t- we, there's one relapse where it's, uh, he, they're having a party at their house right? and Andy Dick mm-hmm, who was, was one there. of his co-stars on, uh, news radio, news radio. And and everybody knew Andy Dick as to be, like, a partier, partier. you know? I think he still is. I know, yeah. And she uh, She asked asked him for coke. And he gave it to her. And he gave it to her. And he did
1: not know about her history or any of that. Um, But he gave it to her. He doesn't deny that. No. And uh, I guess that was kind of, like, I don't think that, that was the beginning of her relapse. She came up and was like, they were everyone was drinking and having fun. Yeah. And she, but John
0: Lovitz later after the death of them. To this day. Blames Andy Dick. He's like, you killed them. Phil you killed Phil Hartman.
1: Yeah. He but that's that, insane.
0: I, mean, I think that's just
1: grief. It is grief. That's also how we talk about, you know, the not understanding how and why this could happen. Right. When, when you just can't fathom how, you have to blame someone. And the person who right. pulled the trigger took the easy way out. And ended her life, so she's not around to blame. Right. So I think that's where that John Lovitz Andy Dick feud comes yeah, from. Yeah, and that's and funny. they have like publicly brawled over this on four separate occasions or something. It's crazy. They, you know, Andy Dick is a dick. For surreal, sure. If you've I, ever like, you know, that's his whole shtick. Right. And John Lovitz clearly feels very strongly that Andy Dick was responsible somehow for Bryn's mm. relapse, even though I I will absolve Andy Dick of yeah. that. I don't, and no one is responsible. I mean, he wasn't her pusher. Right. He wasn't bringing her drugs secretly right. every day it was one party and yeah. he didn't know that she would had a problem yeah he didn't know
0: she was mixing zolof drinks or and, alcohol and, and, and then cocaine and um at this point i think uh, you know they're they have they start take going to a gun range and shooting and like worried about like stalkers and things right. like that right i guess that. he had
1: been uh, there was an extortion attempt oh, okay. on him and so they his as a, as his celebrity was kind of rising they right. were realizing that there were you know some outside issues that could become a problem they have two small children yeah so they both get licensed and training in operating handguns and then they purchase a bunch of them yeah but they keep them locked in safes in their home right but they're both very capable of using guns and they know how to use a gun right
0: right
1: um and they have them in their house right which is it's so sad if you think about that they buy that to protect themselves from some kind of outside intruder <laughs> and it's if you just didn't have that in the house none of this would have happened
0: right It is sad. So at this point, we're we're up to speed. We're up
1: there. So she turns 40 just about a month before this. Okay. And 40 apparently was was rough for her emotionally. I think it's rough for a lot of people. Yeah, I think she saw... You evaluate your life. Right. She saw her dreams of becoming an actress and all the hopes she had put into this marriage becoming, you know, helping her career as much as being, you know, her family. Right. Kind of coming to an end. But... When asked, both of them said that things were better than ever. Weird. Which is not true because the week before this happened, I guess there was an incident where Bryn got drunk and hit one of her kids. Oh yeah. Right. And that's what the fight the night of the murder was about. Yeah. But outwardly, everything seemed fine.
0: Well, it's you know, it doesn't seem like they're the kind of people to be showing any real right. life they, outside. They you try know? not
1: to they try yeah. to appear happy and normal in public. Exactly. So after um Bryn killed Phil and then herself. There was, a, you know, obviously a lot of questions. They did a talk screen. There was alcohol about twice the legal limit in her yeah. system. The antidepressant Zoloft and cocaine. Right. So she was also doing cocaine that night. And her brother actually ended up suing Pfizer. Right. Because um, they said that, the, and the doctor. that was like wrongful. Wrongful death. Or basically, yeah, you death messed lawsuit. my sister up. And made her do this. And it's interesting. I did do some research into yeah. Zoloft. And, so, you know, the side effects are, they're kind of like the normal side effects you always hear, like right. nausea, anal bleeding, <laughs> anal bleeding, upset <laughs> stomach, diarrhea. Um, but there are also um, some severe side effects that can, in, can include sweating, confusion, fast and uneven heartbeat, agitation, hallucinations. Right. And then they also say that combining Zoloft with alcohol is. The worst thing you can do, really? in fact, that like you are—if you are just alcohol, yeah—combining oh. alcohol with any antidepressant is bad. But combining it with Zoloft specifically, like when you're prescribed, it says you cannot drink, avoid all alcohol. Oh, while really? Taking this. I didn't know. And I guess one of the side effects can be violent outbursts oh, gotcha. when you mix the two.
0: Right. So, I mean, it does seem like she might have been out of her mind when she actually shot him. But... I think she
1: was. I think she had to have been because yeah. the fact that he was asleep. So it wasn't like they were screaming at each other and then she pulled a gun out and shot him in the middle of a fight. They fought. He went to bed. That was what they did every night.
0: Right. I feel bad because when they found the little girl, she She was was like...
1: terrified, like cowering in the corner of her room and Sean was completely... Sorry, the older son was completely freaked out. And, you know, the thing that I think is so sad is the last thing she did before she shot herself is she called her sister.
0: Oh, really? And she said, please tell my
1: children... That their mom loves them, uh-huh. and so I think what that was was a moment of lucidness where she realized. I don't think she was in her right mind that whole night from drugs and and alcohol mind you, she's driving a lot and of the driving place. around. But like, she, but drugs and alcohol, I think she's out of her mind. She kills him. I don't even think she knows why she did it. She just did it. You know what I mean? What she's driving all over person. town, telling people about it. You know, she goes and tells her friend. She calls another friend on the drive home, and I think it is only in the moment where she is back home, everything is kind of starting to, the haze or the drugs are kind of starting to wear off that she realizes what she's done. Right. Realizes that she's not getting out of this situation. Yeah. And even though I think it was a cowardly thing to do and also the meanest, most tragic thing you could do to your kids Uh, to orphan them like that. It
0: makes my heart hurt.
1: The fact that she did call her sister and say, please make sure they know how much I love them and take good care of them. Yeah. Before I think that was that moment of lucidness. And I think that was more the real Bryn than the Bryn that, yeah. that killed him and well, then let's herself. Hope. Yeah. And then
0: the kids grow up with their with the sister. Yeah. And, and have, have well pretty adjusted, normal, normal lives. lives yeah. Thank which is God. good.
1: But that that to me was the hardest part. I know. You know, I think anytime obviously there are kids involved in these kinds of devastating family situations it's always so sad oh my gosh but just you know when you add like the publicity when you add the fact that they were in the house when both the murder and the suicide took place it's just it's unfathomable right and
0: like when the in the morning you know the nanny came back and she's like where are the kids where are the kids and they're in like custody somewhere i mean honestly i can barely talk about it because it just yeah. to think about my children being scared and not knowing and like being with cops yeah. like police or something and not I mean obviously eventually they got to family and stuff like that but but not right away no so that so is so terrifying so you guys that's, that's it that's the story of yeah. Phil and Bryn Hartman that's a rom crime I
1: will tell you in doing this research I I didn't feel any better no I didn't feel like I understood any more I mean I knew more details yes I now yeah. know you know way more than I knew when it happened and I was shocked by it like everybody else but Mm -hmm. it's still one of those tragic senseless. Yeah. Murder is never the answer.
0: I know and you know again just don't mix your drugs with your Zoloft with your alcohol. Do them separately.
1: Do them separately or you know if you have drug problems and you've been in and out of rehab like maybe mention that to a doctor before they yeah. um, start prescribing you stuff <laughs> mention it to your kid's pediatrician before they
0: before they give you zoloft that was you. such a
1: weird detail yeah. I'm like, what not even her doctor anyway. that is weird Anyways. oh by the way the lo- brother they did settle out of court for i think a hundred thousand dollars and did not have to take responsibility so they were never really held accountable but they did have to pay the omdahl family a hundred grand pfizer mm. Zoloft people. Mm. Well, okay. So, At least it was something. Hopefully, I mean, it went to the kids. I'm, I'm sure, sure it did. Yeah. All of
0: Phil's money went to the kids, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, but
1: that's that was a sad one, that was and a that's sad coming one. like on the heels of just a sad.
0: I know. Well, sad. the last episode was sad too, but it was a little more like splashy. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're all sad, sad. I guess they're all they're sad. They're true. They're all murder. They're all ending in murders. um. They all
1: end tragically, but yeah, it's a it's a sad one. It's a super sad
0: one so if you guys like what you hear please tell a friend to listen and please for the love of god love of god rate review and subscribe to
1: our podcast that's right we love love doing it we can't wait to talk to you all
0: next week all right Bye. bye